This morning I was planning on talking about Gideon. I love the story of Gideon because when you enter into the story of Gideon in the book of Judges, you'll find that he, like the rest of the children of Israel, had hidden in caves and they were taking what little bit of grain that they had and they were milling it to be able to have food and Gideon's no exception. He's hiding out at the threshing floor and the Bible says that the angel of the Lord appeared unto Gideon. And I love what the angel of the Lord said. The angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and he said, you mighty man of valor. You mighty man of valor. God's choosing you to deliver the people of Israel. And I, I think that Gideon did what most of us do when God begins to get our number. I love what the angel of the Lord said. The angel of the Lord didn't declare where he was at and what he was doing. The angel of the Lord was not impressed with the circumstances and the situations that he, that he was currently in. The angel of the Lord didn't take into account to how Gideon felt about himself. The angel of the Lord didn't take any of those things into consideration. The angel of the Lord saw who he was in God and declared who he was in God to be manifested in the now. And Gideon's first response to that, as you read the story in the book of Judges, you'll find that Gideon says, look, you can't use me because I'm the least among my tribe. You, in other words, he said, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, angel of the Lord. Wait a minute, angel of the Lord. Many scholars believe that this was actually a manifestation of Jesus. Either way, the angel of the Lord is standing before him, calling him a mighty man of valor. In other words, he was calling him what God had created him to be, even though he could not see within himself yet what God had created him to be. And he began to give the angel of the Lord an excuse. Well, you don't understand who I am. You don't understand the tribe that I come from. In other words, you don't understand my people and you don't understand where I am in life. You don't understand that my, my, my daddy didn't have nothing and his daddy didn't have nothing and I don't have nothing. But the angel of the Lord didn't care about what he felt even about himself. So he didn't care about the circumstances that he was in and he didn't care about what he thought about himself. He was telling him, who he was in God. And I don't know if I'm going to preach this whole message or not, but I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that God has called me here today and he's given me a word to tell you. And that word is, get up, you mighty man and you mighty woman of God and go forth to do what God has called you to do. Stop giving God the reasons why you can't do what he's asking you to do. Stop giving God the excuses of what you think about yourself because he's not impressed because he sees beyond what you see and he sees the greatness that he created in you in the first place. Ephesians 2, he has created you, the workmanship. He has created you in advance to do things for him. That's the David Crawford paraphrase. I don't have it in front of me. That's as close as I can get. Who's he talking about? He's talking about you. And many of you believe the lie that the enemy has sold you. And I want you to hear the Spirit of the Lord say to you this morning, you are a mighty woman of God. 
You are a mighty man of God. You are a mighty man of valor, of honor, of trust, of integrity. And I believe it's time that we stop giving God our, well, God, I can't talk right. Well, God, I can't, I don't sing like this. I can't, I can't, I don't, you know, you don't know where I came from and you don't know what I did and you don't know and you don't know. I believe the Lord does know. And here's the amazing mind-boggling thing about God. God knew every mistake that I would make. He knew every failure that I would do. He knew that 21 years into the ministry, I would walk away from my marriage and my ministry. He knew all of that, and yet he called me anyway because what he put in me was greater than what was around me and what I was living in. I understand the guilt and shame that the enemy tries to put on our life. I'm well out of those moments of anxiety, depression, and failure. I'm well out of those moments, but the enemy will constantly remind me of my past and what I could have done or should have done. And I'll just tell him that he can remind me about that all day long. I've read the back of the book and it doesn't turn out too good for him. So he can just keep his comments to himself. I'm going to be what God has called me to be. And I look across this room and I love it. I love it. Man, we're a motley crew. Just a bunch of crazy folks from all different types of background. And yet God has pulled us together for such a time as this. And what we have to do is we have to let go of yesterday. Let go of the church that we came from. Let go of our past. Let go of our failures. Let go of sometimes of even relationships that try to pull us back into that nonsense. I said sometimes we need to let go of relationships that are constantly trying to pull us back into that nonsense. Is this on? We got to let go of those relationships that keep trying to pull us back into that nonsense. And we've got to step into the man and the woman of God that he has called us to be. I really don't believe that God brought us all together by accident because I just know that God's providential. He strategically has picked each and every one of us that, that's in this place. And I, and I look around and I see different types of the restoration message and, I, and I'm just so thankful. As I look around, I see those that have grown up in the church, yet still serve him. They, they may have had their moments. They're, they're not perfect. I know y'all think Miss Deanna's perfect. She's not. I used to say when I was preaching, she used to be addicted to baby aspirin. She'd take two instead of one. Uh, and many people would think that she doesn't have a testimony. Her testimony is a whole lot better than mine. Because at a young age, she gave her life to Jesus and she hadn't stepped away in years. Right? But I love the story of the vineyard. The guy goes out and he hires people in the vineyard. He says, hey, come and, and work. 
He doesn't have enough workers, so he goes and he gets some more, and they come and he pays them all the same. Have you ever caught that part of the story? He paid them all the same. Why? Because he's the father. See, we, we don't all have that kind of testimony. And if we're not careful, we'll allow the condemnation of the world, we'll allow the condemnation of the enemy try to keep us from being the man and the woman that God has called us to be. I don't care what tribe you come from. I don't care what your parents are like or if you even know who they are or where they are at this time. You can give God all of those excuses, but here's what Gideon said. Gideon said yes. And then if you read the whole story, and I wasn't even going to preach the whole story today, but if you read the whole story, Gideon gathers a group of people and he starts, he goes, okay, God's called me to be a mighty man of valor and he's calling me to, 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 to be the deliverer of Israel. And so he gathers people. And so he begins to do it his way, he begins to get all the people. And he says, yeah, it's not a big army, but it's pretty good. And then the spirit of God says to him, no. Now, I don't know, I'm not a general, I do kind of love history, but what I do know is that when there's a bunch of them, you would like for it to be more of you than there is of them, right? That's, that's just kind of common sense. And, and yet God says to Gideon, no, you've got too many. And Gideon's like, okay, first you think I'm a mighty man of valor, and then you can't count, Lord. I mean, that had to be what went through his mind. And then God gave him direction on how to whittle down, as my daddy would say, or get the number down to the right number that God wanted to use. And isn't it amazing sometimes we think when we get all of our equipment together and we get all of the things working in motion that that's how God's going to use us to take the city. Sometimes God's saying to us, I need you to strip yourself of all of that so that you understand that when the battle is won, it was not because you won the battle. It's because the battle was the Lord's and the Lord is always going to win his battle. And sometimes he's got to get all of the stuff out of our life so that we can totally and completely understand it's him doing it in the first place. The moment that we understand that we give God glory is the moment that we become the somebody that we're looking for. The moment that we get to the place that we understand that the battle's the Lord's, the calling's the Lord's, the Lord has chosen me, the Lord has spoken to me, the Lord has prepared me in advance to do something for him. But we love to wait for stuff. We love to wait. And I understand preparation. Please don't. Hear what I'm not saying. There, there is a need for preparation and there is a need for us to be on strong ground. People, people tell me all the time, you know, hey, I, I want to go out and I, and I want to save souls. That's great. You can do that. You should do that. But if you're going to do that, you've got to do that on solid ground. When Pastor Ricky and I were teenagers, his aunt had a swimming pool in Nashville and so we drove from Springfield to Nashville. We were so excited. And so I was meeting him there at the house and we was getting in his red Camaro because he was always cooler than I was. 
And right as we was walking out the door, Miss Margaret said, y'all take Troy. Like we had a game plan here that did not involve little brother. Especially the little brother that didn't know how to stop talking. Yucky, yucky, yuckety, yuck, yuckety, yuck, yuckety, yuck, 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 yuck. You know, he was the little guy that just would, what are y'all doing? What are y'all doing? What are y'all doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Why are you doing it? What are you doing? Why are you doing it? What are we eating? When are we eating? We just ate. When are we eating? Right? And so we, we, we take Troy. And so, you know, so I get there. It's just us. And so we get the speech from, from Ricky's aunt. And she's like, you know, you boys be careful. I've got to go to town. And so I'm not going to be here the whole time. You guys watch out for each other. So we, we're out in the pool and we're jumping and having fun. And Troy doesn't know how to swim. But Troy doesn't care whether he knows, and I hope he's watching this. Dr. Troy. So we tell him, stop going to the deep end, you know. And so in his stubbornness, he jumps in the deep end, starts sucking down water. So being the man of faith and power, Ricky's in a panic, standing up there. So I jump in to, to save his, I, you know, Hasselhoff, a very hefty, big-boned Hasselhoff, <laughs> jumped in, did a beautiful dive. I mean, slight belly buster, but mostly a dive. And went in there, and I grabbed him. And that boy practically drowned me before I got him out of the way. Finally, I punched him in the face and got him to calm down and drug him to the side. Now I'm getting out and I'm I like, I'm hanging on the side. Now I'm spitting up water. And as I do, I look up and on the side of the pool, along the fence is this little arm that you pull off and stand on solid ground to hold to someone to save them. Instead of jumping in with them and dying with them, or practically dying with them, the point was you were supposed, listen to me, the point was you were supposed to stand on solid ground, grab the safety saving your life stick, I don't know what it's called, that's what we're calling it, it's official, reach it down to them, it had a little hook in it so that even if they didn't grab it, you could scoop them and pull them to the side. And yet for years, people in the church want to jump in the mess with them. They want to jump in there and be like them. They want to jump in there and go the places they go, do the things they do, and say the things they say. No, that's not solid ground. You're going to drown with them. Your intention may be to save them. I had visions that I was going to save his life. He was irritating, but he was worth, worth saving. I loved him, basically. Right? But the church for decades, for years, for centuries... We want to get in there with them rather than standing in a position. Live your life. Get your life in order. Live by the fruit of the Spirit. Get to know the Word of God so that you can stand on firm ground, reach out, and pull them to safety. 
Be who God's created you to be.